Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today we are covering Numbers 10, 11 and Psalm 66 and Luke 22. So we are still in Numbers, but we're not necessarily talking about Numbers a lot anymore. Now we're telling actual story that's going on at the time. So keep in mind, God is still trying to train up a new people. Can you imagine if you had, um, if you picked up a horse that was in the wild or that was um, abused by its previous caretaker. Can you imagine what that would be like if you brought that horse home and you had to retrain it? It would be very difficult. You'd have to be very strong. You'd have to be loving at the same time, um, very um, disciplined and, you know, so so there's, there. it's not the same as if you had just gotten a young horse who was not abused um, or treated poorly or imprisoned or whatever. So remember that when you read these stories, because God is changing a people. These were slaves from Egypt and he is bringing them out to be set apart. So they're going to go through things that may not make sense to us, but just always keep in mind um, where they came from. That's the beauty of kingdom.think is that you're reading the Bible a little bit at a time and you're building up the story. You're watching history unfold and you're able to see how it even relates to us in this day. Because I believe that the whole story of the Israelites isn't just that we're reading history, but that God did this so that we could see ourselves in them. Um, so here we go. Chapter 10. Um, let's see. The silver trumpets. The Lord said to Moses, make two trumpets of hammered silver. Okay, so he's telling them to make these trumpets. Whenever you want to gather the people, um, blow on these trumpets. The sons of Aaron, the priests, are to blow the trumpet. This is to be the lasting ordinance for you and your generations to come. When you go into battle in your own land against an enemy who is oppressing you, you should blast on the trumpets. So they're not even in any danger yet. God is just preparing them. He's, he's teaching them how to organize and be prepared for battle. And the trumpet is one of them. Okay, so how long? Oh, they're going to leave Mount Sinai. Okay, they were on the 20th day of the second month of the second year. So two years, two months on the 20th day, the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle of the covenant law which told them it's time to go. Then the Israels set out, the Israelites set out from the desert of Sinai and traveled from place to place until the cloud came to rest at the desert of Paran. So we're now established at the desert of Paran because we followed this cloud. Um, and as they're traveling, okay, so this, let's see. And as they the division of the camp. Okay, so remember, God prepared them for going out. And he said, this family is going to do this. This family is going to do this. This family is going to carry certain things of the tabernacle. So everybody had a very specific role. And he's been preparing for this. So they're ready to go. Everything's organized. Everything is um, structured if they follow it, right? Okay, so... There's a piece about uh, Moses' father-in-law who wanted to go back to his homeland. Moses said, no, no, come with us. Um, we need you because you know your way around. I suppose he went. Um, Whenever the ark set out, Moses said, rise up, Lord. May your enemies be scattered. May your foes flee before you. Whenever it came to rest, he said, return, Lord, to the count countless thousands of Israel. 
Um, so now we're going to move on to chapter 11. Two crazy things are happening in chapter 11. First of all, the people are sick of eating manna. Doesn't matter all the great miracles that God's done. Doesn't matter that God is literally speaking to them. His presence is with them. They are starting to take it for granted. Um, and they're grumbling. They're grumbling because they are sick of eating manna. And they're complaining and, oh my gosh, they want to eat meat. So Moses goes to the Lord. And now, here's the thing. Moses goes to the Lord. He probably doesn't even realize he's grumbling. So now he goes to the Lord and says, these people... I didn't give birth to them and they are just grumbling. They want meat. They're not satisfied. So he's frustrated. And Moses says, Lord, I can't, I can't carry this burden. It's just too much. These people, it's just too much. So then the Lord says, okay, two things. One, I'm going to give them what they want. I'm going to give them quail to they're sick of it. Number two, bring the elders, what, 70 of the elders, and I'm going to take, he didn't exactly well, I don't know if he told them and it told Moses in advance, but basically he brought, Moses brought the 70 people and the Lord took some of that anointing spirit off of Moses, Moses and put it on the other people to kind of share the, um, the blessing or the burden or the, whatever you want to call it. So now some of that spirit is off of Moses and shared amongst the other people. Um, but Moses said, here I am, okay, huh? here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Whew, would that have been, okay, so the Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true. So he's having this dialogue with Moses, but <laughs> it's, um, yeah. Isn't that interesting that in that two chapter, the people are grumbling. And then in a way, Moses was grumbling because the people were grumbling. Oh my goodness. The Lord must have been like, come on, you guys. But that's what it takes when you're breaking old ways of an enslaved people. And you're setting them apart to be a role model for the rest of mankind. Okay, moving on to Psalm 66. It's a long one, so I'm only going to read a little bit of the beginning, a little bit at the end. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Um, Come and see. Okay. And then, okay. So then we move down. Here is an interesting one. Verse 10. Um. Oh, I'll just keep reading. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. His eyes watch the nations. Yep, even today, his eyes are watching the nations. Praise our God, all people. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. Because testing, this is important to understand, that being tested creates character and perseverance. And it changes, it changes a person. Um yeah, your behavior, the way you are, your identity, everything is, is changed. It's kind of like if you said, I want, I want a bicep muscle, but you're not willing to lift some dumbbells and do bicep curls. 
you have to put a little tension, a little pressure to strengthen that muscle. Well, the same goes in in our character. There has to be a little bit of pressure to change that character and refine it. And so, yes, many times these people were tested because we certainly know that's what's going on in the Old Testament with the Israelites, being tested in many ways. Um, Okay, Luke 22. Oh, here we come about, about Judas. You know, there's no way that Judas was a terrible guy because he was obviously one of Jesus's disciples. So he wasn't a bad guy. But somehow the ways of the world, the temptations, the he just he got distracted or he stopped facing what was good and keeping his eye on the Lord. And um, and he was distracted. How many of us are so distracted today? And, you know, we know what is good for our soul and good for our spirit and good to grow. But mm, it's okay. I don't need to go to church. Uh, I'll just watch it online. But we don't, really. Or maybe we put it on, but we're like making a meal or cleaning the kitchen or something like that. How many times are we being distracted and not keeping focused? Well, that's what happened to Judas. I think, because there's no way he was a bad guy, right? He was tempted, and I don't know if he was doing it for political gain or for money. Either way, he approached the elders. He approached somebody. Anyways, he made a deal with them that he would show them who the Messiah was or who Jesus was and where he was, or he would show them they already knew who he was, but where he was that so they can take him away. Sure enough, um, but before that happened, they did the Last Supper. And we talked about the Last Supper in the previous um, books, Matthew and Mark, but anything different here? Where do you want us to prepare? Isn't that interesting how we are looking at it from Luke's perspective and then Matthew was that perspective and Mark. Um, And it's so important that we understand things that are repetitive in the Bible are the most important and here we are repeating. It's like telling the story again. Um, and that's really important. In family, in, in a lot of cultures, they tell stories of the family history over and over and over again. Why? Because they don't want you to remember, forget it. So here, here's the story of the Last Supper. Don't forget it. Tell your children and so that they could tell their children. And this is the most important part of the entire Bible. The Old Testament is beautiful stories, but it's building up to this moment in time, the last supper where Jesus is teaching them and then the crucifixion and the resurrection. This is what the whole Bible's about. Honestly, it's this. And so even though we feel like, oh, well, we already know what's going on, just read it again and again and again because without this piece, the Bible is just a good history book. But with this piece, um, it comes to life because, well, because God is Jesus in human form, walked on earth, taught us, taught the people things, and then died on the cross um, as the final sacrifice. So all those sacrifices that God is talking about in the Old Testament don't have to be done anymore because of this moment in time. So that's why it builds up to now. So they're having the Last Supper, and we know what goes on here. Um, let's see, he took the bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, give, 
given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I bet they didn't even understand what he's talking about. It was just a nice thing to say, but no, he knew what was coming. He was going, this cup represents the blood that was poured out on the cross. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves, which one? Isn't that so sad? Even Jesus knew that poor Judas, he knew it was going to happen. So they were trying to figure out who this was. And Simon Peter said, no, surely I will stick with you. I will, whether prison or death. And Jesus says, oh, Peter, I tell you, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Then Jesus, okay. um, Okay. Yes, it must be fulfilled. And he was number, okay. Um, Jesus portray. Oh, then he goes up to Mount of the Mount of Olives to pray, and he tells his disciples, "Please stay here and pray." And and he went up a little bit further, but when he came down, they were asleep. Can you imagine the heart? His must have really broke his heart that his disciples couldn't stay covering him in prayer during this difficult time. But the truth is, they didn't really understand what was coming. Jesus did. He couldn't really tell them exactly, but he would have liked to know that they. We're still praying for him, but they weren't. Um, and then Judas comes with the soldiers. They are arresting. They arrest him. Um, and then they take him away. And as they're taking him away, Peter follows. But then, sure enough, a woman approaches him. That's the servant, or that's this man is with him. No, no, I don't know him. Three times he denied him. Then the rooster crowed. Oh my gosh! Then Peter realized what happened and he just went out crying bitterly um and then they they take jesus to Pilate at daybreak the el- the council of the elders of the people both the chief priests and the teachers of the law met together and jesus was led before them if you are the messiah then say tell us jesus answered if i tell you you will not believe me and if i asked you you would not answer but from now on the son of man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty god that's how he answered them but from now on the son of man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty god they all asked are you then the son of god he replied you say that i am then they said why do we need any more testimony we have heard it all from his own lips oh goodness gracious terrible people Isn't that crazy, though, that one moment, we'll see, because the people arresting Jesus were the leaders and the elders, and they weren't necessarily the people that were honoring him and glorifying him um, when he came into the town on the donkey. I used to think, why did the people change their mind? But it wasn't the same people. Or the authorities and the, the elders influenced those people don't know but um fascinating okay very cool part very very important hope you enjoyed that read this is a big one